Hello and welcome to Let's Enter the Arena. I'm your host, VM Campos, and this is the podcast where I talk with a member of the Magic the Gathering community where we focus on Magic Arena. Well, everyone, we're probably all practicing social distancing to various degrees, but the show must go on. And the cool thing about doing a podcast is that I can reach out to people all over the world and talk to people that are into magic from the comfort of their own home. So please welcome back a return guest, Rosla. Well, hello. Thank you so much for joining the podcast a little bit behind the scenes. Um, I asked you literally spur of the moment and you were available to talk magic. So I appreciate that so very much. Oh, you're welcome. So we've got a few goals to talk about magic today. But before that, um, can you let us know about your social media or your streaming or anything you'd like? Any self-promotion? Uh, right now, I've been a little bit on hiatus because, well the current situation community-wise and because mm -hmm. of things that were going on in uh, some of my usual live streaming role-playing games, mm -hmm. more specifically to the point Final Fantasy XIV. So <laughs> I've been having to deal with that. Things are winding down and uh, I'm ready to get back slowly into my content again. Sure. So Final Fantasy XIV is one of those MMOs that just doesn't sleep, right? If you're not on it, it's still going on? Yeah, pretty much. It's just a constant flow of content. Mm -hmm. I'm not into any MMOs at the moment, but I know that when I get on a roll on Magic Arena, it's a little hard to stop. And especially when you're climbing that ladder or trying some fun new decks. And so I hear you. There's always something to do. Yeah, always. Now... We were going to talk a little bit about magic in 2019 and then magic in 2020. And so last year, 2019, what are some of your like general thoughts about magic in 2019, either digital or paper, anything at all? Thoughts about 2019, I honestly think was like one of the one of the best years for magic the magic not just uh not just arena but magic in general for standard up until the latest rotation mm -hmm. we got a lot of new cards that really broke the format with throne of eldraine right we got oko um the goose a variety of things there was uh once upon a time and and all of that so is that what you mean in terms of like well after the rotation there were just way too many pushed cards it wasn't really that. It was the fact that um, before in the in the previous rotation, you could have you could make like a volley of different kinds of card setups and mm. card decks. And now, every time that I go on Magic: The Gathering Arena, it's always either mono red or mono green or mm -hmm. uh, or a red blue and or a uh, or a black green and i'm like okay because and it's all the same cards like <laughs> all the decks are almost the same it's like everybody is just net decking now whereas back in 2019 well 2018 2019 with the rotations with the rotations there you had all kinds of sets where you could build something unique, something mm -hmm. something that identifies with you as a as a gamer, as a player. Whereas now it's just a matter of oh well, green is the most powerful because by mm -hmm. turn three you could have six land on the field, or mono red because all you got to do is that spectacle baloney and yeah. literally wipe out your opponent. And um, by by turn four, it's. Eh, I don't like new rotation. I'm sorry. Yeah, I totally hear you. It does seem like peop, uh, decks are homogenizing to just three or four or so, and you are seeing a lot of the same cards. I guess that shows either that the popularity of of Arena is that everyone just wants to play the best decks and they don't want to brew, or maybe it just shows that there's too many cards concentrated at the moment to power level maybe they need to depower standard on the next rotation what do you think about that as a strategy like like maybe a pendulum swimming maybe a pendulum swinging back to a little bit less power yeah uh a couple of ways that they could do that is to bring about um 
cards that start the game right off the hop, uh, almost like the the ley lines, mm-hmm. um, where you just put it down and it it stops people from just mass hitting you with spells, or it prevents haste, or it prevents abilities from monsters from giving you even more land than than uh, or even more mana, I should say. Mm-hmm uh than usual they gotta do something to slow the game down because it's just it's very Yu-Gi-Oh like very (laughs) Yu-Gi-Oh like there's there was one or two spells in white recently printed I think one was called Hushbringer or something like that where it's trying to prevent people from playing more than one spell per turn. Maybe if they add a few more of those, exactly what you're saying, like maybe a ley line where it's a it's a it's a turn zero play and it maybe slows things down because red has always been around, red aggro, but it is true in terms of red is just getting very strong. You put in uh, cavalcade of calamity and you're doing double damage you've got torbran who like adds even more damage and suddenly i'm trying to set up a board state on my third turn and by that time i'm already at two life because my red opponent has put out so many cheap creatures and also other little bits of the combo and it's like you just get run over yeah kind of like mid back now is not working Mm-hmm. My land destruction deck, for example, is only working because I have cards to slow my opponent down. But uh, in that deck, I use my life force as a or my life points as a uh, as a resource. So um, I let my enemy uh, hammer me down to about one or two life, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden. I finally get the combos that I need, or I finally get the land that I have. And by turn five or six, if I manage to survive with one or two life left, the game's over. Yeah, yeah. Let, let, let's uh, let's do a little sidebar on that. I was I've seen some of your videos. Thanks for sharing them on the Discord, and yeah. uh, they've been pretty epic. I like how you're putting that sort of as well epic music uh, while while the gameplay goes on, and it's been pretty impressive to see that that you're hanging yeah. on. You're hanging on at the end, and then you come back and you wreck all their lands, and then they're just there trying to draw, and they play a land, but then you you destroy the next one, and sometimes even double cast it, and then nickel bolus maybe as a as a nice payoff. So that I think that's been a very impressive uh, deck that you've been able to pilot. I appreciate that. Yeah, they 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 try so hard, and you know, <laughs> it takes takes them about ten minutes to realize that there's nothing they can do, but. That's that's the fun out of it. It's like if they don't realize exactly what I'm doing to them, then it just gets even more fun as you're just kind of like watching them flip out why they can't hit you for that last one or two health. Yeah. And even if they don't get it, then uh, I've seen several times you do the Nickel Bolas Ultimate, right? And then that one is just a one-shot kill, it's, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, instant win if they don't have a legendary creature on the field or a Planeswalker Bolas insta-kills. Yeah. So that's been a really cool there. I, I think I think if more sort of like slower combo decks appear in the next sets, that would be really fun to see instead of, yeah, the same sort of homogenized sets. But I guess people want to win and they want that little dopamine hit in the brain for a win. And I guess people think, well, I'll just go find the, the best deck of all. There's several websites that will reveal that and people just jump on, jump in on it instead of taking the puzzle pieces of, of magic and making their own thing. See, that's that's why I like to call them tainted victories because when they like when they win it's it's not really their win it's mm-hmm. the win of whoever originally built that deck mm-hmm. like you're literally like it's almost like the grime on the bottom of the boot but, you know <laughs> it's like i i call it i call it leeching because mm-hmm. you're literally leeching off the original creators joy the original creators um time that he took to um process the cards like process like what his deck does and and masters it and in every time that someone else wins with someone else's deck i just mm-hmm. i don't know it, it just doesn't it doesn't sit right with me 
I wonder if there's a way to program it that the originator of a deck would get all of the experience points instead of the person that just copied it. <laughs> wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be hilarious? Why aren't I getting any experience? Well, because the deck isn't yours. <laughs> That might be a way. That's the cool thing about doing things digitally, you know, have it somehow give the credit to the originators of the deck. That way it encourages more people to try to make their own decks or maybe have some sort of event, maybe maybe like a, a 100 gold or a 500 gold or something affordable, some sort of entry to some sort of interesting event where you get even more rewards for playing not decks that no one else is playing. Yeah, seriously, it's that'd be a hilarious concept. Um, I think we just fixed it then. Wizards of the Coast, I will gladly take my check. Absolutely. Give him full credit. <laughs> Here, shut up and take my experience points. <laughs> <laughs> So in 2019, did you do very much um, drafting? What about the other way, other modes to play in Arena besides uh, free play or ladder and such? Did you give the other modes a try? I only give the other modes a try when I have the VIP access. Uh, Wizards, every, uh, every time that they want to promote the new set, they come to me and I, with a bunch of other streamers, go and... Mm -hmm. We have this early access event before it, before it goes live on the main uh, on the main game, mm -hmm. and we do like all kinds of like drafting and teach people the new cards and everything like that. So that's the only real time that I do drafting, but I do it. Uh, there are a few times where I actually participate live rather than just on arena. Mm -hmm. So in store in store drafts, you mean? Yeah where you literally go into one of the comic stores or one of the game stores and they're actually holding drafts for that night. Well, very nice. Do you want to give a shout out to any of your local game shops or comic shops? There are two in my city. There's one called uh, CG Realm and the other one is called Brimstone Games. They're both in Windsor, Ontario. Extremely great companies, both of them. And they're very close to each other as well. Mm -hmm. So... um they're down on Tecumseh Road, mm -hmm. uh, just past the train tracks, uh, right at the corner of Hall mm -hmm. and Tecumseh Road. And uh, you will find that both stores are extremely good. One store is more Magic the Gathering intimate, mm -hmm. but the other store is like like uh, like Pokemon and Yu-Gi-Oh intimate. Mm -hmm. So, but they both sell the same things. Yeah, I highly recommend both these places if you ever go to Windsor, Ontario. Mm -hmm. That's cool that you've got a few near you. Uh, I have to drive a little bit way of a ways to to get to a shop that does do events uh, in my area. I'm, I'm a little bit out in the boondocks, as some of my friends say it, because uh, you have to drive out a little bit uh, east uh, East San Diego, where I'm at. Uh, so it's nice when you look outside, there's nice mountains and, and trails and all of that. But to get back to civilization to play in, in game stores, I have to drive a little bit of a way. So I'll give a shout out to Comics and Stuff. They have various locations throughout San Diego, and uh, they're a cool shop that I've been to. I went to the Theros Beyond Death pre-release in store, and it was pretty fun. I, I didn't do very well. I was eighth place in an eight-person um, pre-release, but I got to play with brand new cards and play with real people and uh, have to remember to tap my own lands instead of the auto-tapper doing it for me. So it was a fun experience. Ah, that sounds like fun. Yeah, I went with uh, one of the people that's been on the podcast before, Stevie. He's a, he's a local as well, and uh, we went there and uh, we played at that comics and stuff, and it was fun. He he did a little better than me, and we tried out the new cards. And the the we when when I was out of the out of the running, I looked. I started to look through the land station, and I saw lands there from Kamigawa. Someone had Kamigawa mountains in there, and there were just. Uh, I think there were even a couple like old lands from the 90s so it was kind of cool to see the real life cards as well we're so used to the digital version of things that it's fun to play with and to hold the actual cards once in a while 
Yeah, I honestly say, like, I honestly think that having real cards is far better than Arena. With Arena, yeah, like, um, it's easier to find a match that you want or mm -hmm. a game that you're looking to play, but having a, re having a real card in your hand and actually interacting with people face-to-face -face and getting to know their strategies on a more intimate level is yeah. far more better than... Uh, relying on an automatic shuffler with automatic with its own automatic processing and mm. how it goes though it would be nice uh, it, it is nice to have like voices on the cards and everything in the game so you get all yeah. those you get all those like those nice little goodies there but um, yeah. I still say in real life just holds that much better of an experience than an electronic game and your cards are actually worth something because yeah. all in all electronic cards aren't worth anything especially an arena they you, you put the yeah. money into the into the app and you buy gems or whatever but then that's just digital currency that doesn't exist at all back uh, on the days of magic online okay they still had a value there when you can trade your cards after all yep. i thought magic was a trading card game but uh, on Arena, I think that's the next thing they, they need to do, really have a way to trade or sell them off or dust them or, or whatever. And so I, I hope that's on the roadmap as well to uh, keep improving Arena. I wholly agree. That's one of the best things about trading card games. Not only do you hold them and, and feel them, but you could trade them and build what you'd like. And you can also single card buy. And then mm -hmm. with Arena when you purchase something it's all digital mm -hmm. and if that technology fails or something happens to your account or mm -hmm. if wizards suddenly decides no what we're shutting uh, arena down today it's not coming back mm -hmm. all that money that you just spent on it is gone yeah. you won't see those cards in real life they're not just going to be like oh you had all of these cards well we'll just we'll just send them to you in card form they're not going to do that it's all just going to go, it's all just going to disappear mm. with a click of a button. Yeah, that's the big danger with going digitally with uh, th with this game or anything at all, even like books and music and so forth. I still like physical CDs. I still like physical books. Um, so I hope we don't lose that aspect of things in, in, our, in our fandoms. Now, there were four sets released in arena in 2019 that was ravnica allegiance war of the spark corset 2020 and throne of eldraine any thoughts on a particular set that you really liked a particular expansion that really spoke to you either through gameplay or the lore or the art etc in 2019 uh, m20 was my favorite what about it? Like just a variety of cards, or what? What was it about? I liked it because it really put uh, it really put an emphasis on the elemental swarms. Mm -hmm. It also gave me the bolus card that I needed to firmly destroy my opponents, even <laughs> though I had the M nineteen bolus, who's mm -hmm. just as ridiculous, if not even more ridiculous than mm -hmm. than the twenty is. I'm talking uh, bolus the ravager and and of course a uh, bolus dragon god. Mm -hmm. Risen Reef, uh, Yarok, yeah. who amplifies Risen Reef. Back then, you also were able to use the thematic compasses mm. and the treasure maps and haphazard bombardments. Mm -hmm. Ugh, it, it 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 just got it just got ridiculous back then. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just it was just so much fun because there was just so many combinations. Because at its peak, before rotation. You had six sets. Yeah. Six different sets that you could choose a bunch of cards from to build your deck. And now you, although you can still go back as far as Ravnica Allegiance all the way to Throne of Eldraine, honestly, a lot of those support cards were in the Exelon sets. Yeah. And um, when they rotated that out, a lot of good supports went with it and they didn't reprint them. So it's one of the reasons why my, if you look at my, um, if you look at my channel, for example, I did a comparison 
to what my land destruction debt looked like in 2019 as compared to what it looks like, uh, what it looks like now. Mm. And it's like vastly different, completely different because there's just no support cards for land destruction anymore. You literally mm. had to go a separate route. So um, I really loved the support uh, cards that came with uh, the previous rotation mm -hmm. in 2019, early 2019 was was the best mm -hmm. I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that was really cool that it was such a, a range of cards before Throne of Eldraine rotation. We had Corsa 2019, Corsa 2020, the whole Ixalan block, Dominaria, etc. The, the Return to Return to Ravnica block, just such a variety of cards. And in from what I understand over at Wizards of the Coast themselves, they were sort of transitioning a variety of... Uh, strategies themselves internally in making the cards so i think there really was much more of a variety or diversity of types of cards that could have been in a deck back then and after their most recent hirings or more recent focus on design i suppose it's it's definitely gone in a in a different direction Okay, let's ask the opposite of that. What was the set of 2019 that was your least favorite, either because of the cards or the, the, the story and that sort of thing? It would probably have to be... Oh, what was that one that just came after Origins? It was... Was it Battle for... Was it Battle for Zendikar? I'm very certain it was Battle for Zendikar. I didn't like that set. I have heard that that one was a bit of a disappointment that the original Zendikar was pretty cool. And then uh, here's a return to Zendikar, battle for Zendikar. And I, I heard that it wasn't that great. Do you remember anything about it? Why it wasn't very, very good in your eyes? She didn't have a very good story. Mm. Uh, usually story is what sells the set. And I felt the story just really, really heavily dragged and it just wasn't, uh, wasn't any of my interest. That was shortly after or during the time that they were starting to form the Gatewatch? I, I, I'm not so sure about the the whole story around that time, but is, is that does that sound right? Yeah. Uh, that was that was the one where it started like uh, where you see all those like uh, full art lands. Oh, yeah. I don't talk about it a lot because I didn't like it too much. Oh, but, sure. Um, okay. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like the Eldrazi were just ridiculous. I didn't really like, I didn't like how they worked and I didn't like their mechanics. And Yeah, from what I've seen of a few of them th that, uh, that, well, actually, now that I think about it, some of them had Annihilator and, 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 I, and if you're a land destruction aficionado, isn't that something that you might, might have enjoyed? To a point, oh, yeah. but the... Battle for Zendikar came in in uh, 2015. This was a long time ago. The the sets that came out in um, 2019 on Arena, I'm sure there were some in there as well in terms of the things that you didn't like. Uh, maybe just name one card you didn't like in uh, 2019 on Arena. One card that I didn't like in 2019... Oh boy, that one would probably have to be a Johnny Pridesmate. Oh yeah, that little cat that keeps getting bigger and bigger and yes, bigger so easily. That card really makes me angry. I <laughs> hate that card so much because <laughs> it's so easy to boost that thing and by turn like turn five that thing could be so ridiculous that you can't get it off the field unless you're playing a black yeah because if you're not playing a black and he throws out in a, in a johnny pridesmate and he's like really boosting that thing right away there you're that's it you know just just concede it's over yeah, I just ran into that the other day. Uh, I, I wasn't able to deal with that pride mate right away, and so I had to keep chump blocking, chump blocking, and all my creatures were getting killed, of course, because at a certain point it was a 10-10, it was a 12-12, and I was like, maybe if I can peel uh, an answer to that, maybe I'll be okay. And then, of course, well, 
the the lords of RNG didn't grant me anything, and I wasn't able to do anything. So okay, GG. Let's try for the second game. On the second game, they did get their their pride made out a little later, um, but it, it still was a little bit difficult to try to deal with that particular cat. So yeah, it's just a turn two creature. If you put a turn one healer's hawk and then a turn two pride mate, you're you're growing that cat so quickly. Not to mention that Core 2020 came out with another Ajani where he creates pride mates with his yeah. ability. And then he and then you gain life points. Mm -hmm. And it's like, seriously, wizards? Really? Mm -hmm. For example, Ajani, Strength of the Pride, that's the card I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. It's an M20 card. It's Core 2020 card. Gain life equal to the number of creatures you control plus the number of planeswalkers you control. So mm -hmm. all of a sudden, that's just a, a team of life right there that just boosts them. The 2-2, uh, white cat creature token named Johnny's Pride Mate yeah. has, has all of their abilities. And then his just the, the sickest ability in this game that I still say to this day is the most disgusting main <laughs> ability that any planeswalker could have is that zero loyalty mm. where if you have 15 life points more than you're starting you exile the planeswalker and every artifact and creature your opponent controls like it's they're just the field is basically wiped yeah for that zero loyalty oh. abilities that's that's yeah hilarious and disgusting and it, it is when someone especially since his first ability sorry i didn't mean to interrupt mm. especially since his first ability is to gain life for every creature on the field like it's not going to be difficult at all to get past that 15 although i did have someone on stream one time try to pull off the zero but they didn't do the math right and nothing Ooh. happened so i had to do the oops oh. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I love how with uh, uh, touts there, and it's like there's four of them. I bet you it'd be a whole new ball game if you had that little chat box instead. Yeah. Oh boy, the things people would probably say to the other. Yeah. Get pretty toxic pretty quick. I think so. I think that's uh, that's another thing to go back to in terms of digital versus paper. You wouldn't treat your opponent like that in real life, so why would you treat them digitally any worse? I, unfortunately, it's the anonymity of you're just okay. seeing an opponent as pixels on the screen, and you don't really humanize them as 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 a person should. So it could get pretty toxic pretty fast if we if we had the full range of being able to chat with anyone anonymously. So we're not there yet. So I hope we we don't get to that point. Yep. It's, uh, ugh. Trust me, it's, it's not, uh, it's not very good. Mm-hmm. One of the cards that I did not like in 2019 was from Throne of Eldraine, Fervent Champion. That was that 1-1, one, one, First Strike, Haste, Red Knight for one red mana. That one just tilted me so bad every time it was my opponent's turn. Turn one, Mountain champion attack for one for strike even though it was only pinging you little by little i just really hated that card because eventually they were most likely putting together a whole other mono red package where they where you knew that they had an ember cleave eventually so that then your uh, your red creatures would just do uh, so much damage so whenever i saw that uh fervent champion oftentimes i thought do i want to put myself through this or just concede and oftentimes i would just say i'm moving on i don't want to deal with this deck yeah, the I'm not gonna lie, he was just. There's a couple of them that are pretty ridiculous. There's a bunch of strike uh, creatures from that set that also that are also a pain in the butt. Mm -hmm. um, and then of course it's so easy to ramp them up with support cards, which give them. Uh, it's like, oh, he's only a 3-1, but then all of a sudden it's like, mm -hmm. gain a plus three to attack. And it's like, oh, oh okay. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like six. And then they then all of a sudden like they have double strike with them as well. Yeah. Actually, it's uh, I think it's a 2-1 or something at the beginning. But even then, you know. 
Well, they then, then they usually have a Torbran out right on curve, and then that adds the plus two or so more damage to all of their red sources, so it really adds up. If you're if you're not playing the right type of deck, uh, you're just going to get whittled whittled down so fast that you don't have a chance to set up. Yeah, well, like like you said, you put the uh, you put the uh, the conclave down, and then let's say you put like a um, I don't know, like a red cap or something, mm-hmm. something that ha- something silly and small that has that has a double strike, and then all of a sudden you're you pound for two damage, and then the thing hits you for one damage, mm-hmm. and then you also have that one goblin. I keep forgetting his name, but he keeps mass producing goblins. Yeah, and uh, Legion they all gain haste. Yes, and they all gain haste, and then they all attack you, and the thing still triggers. Yeah, so. Um, red is very strong. Yeah. Back before the rotation, I did like playing a mono red goblins only deck because I like to make my own decks most of the time. And my deck was, yeah, it was a mono red deck, but it was completely goblin tribal. So I did have that Legion War boss, but nothing too crazy. You know, I wanted to do my own thing and I had goblin... Thrashmaster, which was a four casting cost goblin that would plus one your goblins. So I wasn't trying to do anything too wacky with like just, you know, so many damage spells right to the face. I wanted to play tribal tribal stuff. I like playing tribal like a, a vampire, black and white vampires or mono red goblins or that sort of thing. What about yourself? Do you like putting together any sort of tribal creature tribal decks? Uh, I haven't done tribals yet. My my strategy revolves around if I'm if I want to swarm my opponents, I will just use elementals. Mm-hmm. Um, if I wanted to um, mill my opponent, I would I would be heavily abusing uh, um, like cards like walls and and double sparks and. Uh, quasi duplicates mm-hmm. and things like that, and like I would just rapid mill. Um, if I wanted to be really stupid and like <laughs> slow the game down to like a thirty-minute match, I'll use my fairies. Um, <laughs> but um, I haven't done tribals. Mm-hmm. That might be that might be a sort of a way to jazz things up because. The algorithm, who knows how the algorithm matches you, although I lean towards that it often matches you very weirdly. Who knows how it would match you if you yourself are trying to do sort of like tribal decks, if if it would also match you with other tribal people. So at least you get some interesting games instead of the usual. Yeah, uh, another thing about another thing about me is the fact that like you could take one card out and you're facing a whole different uh, a whole different party of players. Mm-hmm. So the algorithm is, um, I think it's tied to your card power and like the the strength of your deck rather than rather than any kind of rank. Mm-hmm. I think so. I think it's some weird algorithm that they developed a while ago. And I remember even during beta, uh, the open beta, they would release when they had a new update to the game. They would release here's what we've changed. And I remember them talking actively, mentioning there that, yeah, we're tweaking the matching algorithm because it back in the open beta, do you remember like that that matching was also very odd there and they were tweaking it and it seemed to have gotten better, but they haven't said anything about how they're tweaking that algorithm. So I, I'm, I'm afraid that they tweaked it to a certain point and not anymore and it needs an update. Uh, a lot of things need updating, but that one is definitely one of the top... I always, uh, I always mention another one, but uh, they were threatening to kick me off the Reddit page if I kept on suggesting it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, the the main one or the secondary problem they do have is the um, matching you up with with an opponent. Another problem I'm running into is bots. There's a lot of bots out there now, yeah. um, so. Arena has just gotten to a point where when the thing just throws you against someone, you it's almost as though you know 
just by the first card that they play what they're going to, what they're playing. Yeah. And I don't like that in magic. I like um I like my opponent to have mystery, but um when the game just constantly puts you up against the same players who are using the same decks all the time, it, well, or different players with different mm-hmm. decks. I actually got the same player three times in a row once using the same deck. It was like, mm-hmm. are you freaking serious, game? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, definitely matching algorithm is needs needs work. Mm-hmm. Another area, I'm still going to say it. So I'm going to say it, probably going to get in trouble. <laughs> but... Uh, is the shuffler. Mm-hmm. The shuffler still needs work. I remember that there was that big announcement about the shuffler will pick two possible draws of seven and give you the better one based on your spells and such. And um, that was a while ago that they announced that. So that's another example where I think that if they don't mention it, it probably means they're not working on it. So, yep, that could be something that could perhaps also be uh, be addressed in a future in a future update. I'm hoping that they do. There's a few things in Arena that could be fixed. The big top three: number one, no trading; number yeah. two, the matchmaking. Number three, definitely Shuffler. Mm-hmm. And I guess number four, you could say distantly is net decking problems. But That'll probably be the most difficult difficult one to figure out. But uh, like I gave Wizards that free idea a moment ago, make some events where it rewards you for completely original decks and uh, maybe no entry fee on that or very low entry fee and a lot of return. I think sometimes these events, they suffer from very very little incentive to win like I, I was playing the festival of the gods and it, it was fun to try that those different modes out but then your rewards are okay cool i got a card style of a of a card i'm not interested in and even if you go and you win all three in the event it's like well i don't really need these card styles they don't make my deck better they look okay they look fun and interesting but they don't they don't uh, improve my my gameplay so i wish that they would really focus on gold or gems or uh, you know confirmed rare cards that you get instead of these some of these rewards are a little a little on the weak side i think mm, yeah exactly i 100 percent agree mm-hmm. well let's talk a, a couple of um in the realms of like a good card that you liked or two from 2019 what are some cards from last year that you you included in your decks often risen reef double spark oh okay the duplicate mm-hmm. maybe yarak along those lines yes definitely yarak he's he's a necessity uh you also want to ensure that your life force is good so you'll want to like bring out element like green elementals that that mm. give you life such as um that one glade something, right? It's a one two and it gives yeah. you three life. A healer of the glade, that's his name. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, that should do it pretty good. Um in terms of lands, one land I did like to play back then in twenty nineteen was the um uh, when the thematic compass mm-hmm. turns into a land because mm-hmm. uh what happens is when someone attacks you you can use that card to kick them out of the combat round. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it was such a great card to have. Yeah, those flip cards from Ixalan were really enjoyable. I like that they started off as either an artifact or enchantment, and then after a certain condition, they flipped over and they gave you a pretty cool land. <clears throat> yeah. So um, Spires of Arazka, that's what it was. Oh, yeah. So then when you've got like a big creature coming at you, you just tap your Spires of Araska and it's and that creature is nullified. So I thought that was a very cool way to deal with, with aggro players. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It stops even the big guys. In uh in in twenty twenty we got uh Maze of Skophos, I believe. Yeah. So that was another way, an, another tool in the arsenal, uh, to try to stop these big creatures or aggressive decks yes uh another uh another one is um 
Oh, uh, what's that artifact called? I'd have to go in my have to go on my account to figure that one out. But there was, yeah, but there is a, there is a land out there. There's a colorless land out there now that if you pay four, it will knock an enemy out of the combat phase. So um, mm -hmm. that's as good to uh, spires as you're going to get. There's also spinning wheel, the artifact. You have to pay five to do the same thing uh, to tap so you'd have to tap it before the combat step. But that's a mana rock in terms of it giving you mana of any color. And then when you've got five mana, you're able to tap your opponent's creature. So that's a little bit maybe to add to the package of slowing down your opponent, although it's way too much mana at five. Yeah, some cards are just not... Um, yeah, some cards are just not worth it. Yeah, like you said earlier, the Labyrinth of Scophos, uh, it's as close to... Uh, spires or Azka as you're ever going to get mm -hmm. um there is no um there's no substitute for um for treasure map unfortunately mm -hmm. yeah uh now that reminds me do you play much historic on arena because we can go back to the older cards there although it's it's annoying that wizards is sort of wishy-washy about keeping the format there or not but have you tried much historic I've tried historic, but what I do wish that historic would do was separate it from standard. Mm -hmm. So whereas standard is the current rotation, they should have had it where um, where historic was the former rotations mm -hmm. and and behind. That would separate it from the, from standard. I think that would be a kind of a cool idea there. Just more ways to play, more modes. And obviously, oh. I don't know how things work behind the scenes, but it feels like they're, it shouldn't be too difficult to have more modes, to have, okay, standard, to have historic, and then to have like uh, vintage. Obviously, that name's already taken, but uh, some sort of other name to differentiate old rotations. So... Uh, I would love that. Just more ways to play more magic is more good. Bad grammar aside. Not only is it not only is it good, it's also very healthy for the game. If they're not going to put modern and um and EDH into the game, then historic is the best way to go about it. And if they are going to do historic, then they do need to separate it from standard. Mm-hmm. And even possibly go back to the cards that used to be there in the closed beta. You know, where is Amonkhet block? Where is Kaladesh block? And yeah, there were problematic cards in there. But imagine having the ability to go that far back to, to Kaladesh, plus all of the other cards of Ixalan and Dominaria, etc. I, I wish they would unlock those old cards as well. Good old dinosaurs. The yeah. dinosaurs were just absolutely insane. It was really fun playing with all those elder elder dinosaurs, Zakama and uh, Tetsamok. I loved, uh, you know, scaring my opponent. Or um, I, I, with Tetsamok, I loved its ability was pay one black mana, reveal Tetsamok, put a hit counter or a prey counter actually on your opponent's creatures. And then, so after you finish putting all of these counters on your opponent's creatures, you summon Tetsamok, and then they all get wiped out. Yeah, for me, it was abusing the uh, all those uh, all those needles, all those needle tooth. Uh, oh yeah, creatures, mm -hmm. where uh, you just deal one damage to them, but then they like flip out and deal five damage to your opponent's creatures. Yeah, and um, if you. If you have cards that if you have like cheap cards like like a rage or something like that that just deals one damage and and then uh you know deals one damage to two creatures mm -hmm. and you just like smack your own dinosaur and all of a sudden he like just flips out and then the other one because if he uh if you smack him for damage he he automatically draws a land for you so oh yeah. There are some beautiful dinosaur creatures back then, and now like they just completely away with them. Same with dragons. Dragons are just... It's very difficult to play dragons now as an actual theme because there's no dragon decks anymore. Mm -hmm. There's just like two or three dragon cards left. 
The best one is Dracuseth, but that one's like seven mana, and if you're playing, if you're not also ramping towards that, it's a little difficult. And I think it's got three red mana symbols, so it's a uh, it's a big old scary seven seven, and it's got a lot of great abilities. But unless you're cheating it into play somehow, or just waiting to get all that mana, it is a little harder to get out some of those dragons. Yeah, that's the thing too, and it's also another thing about it is the fact that. There's no dragon support cards either, and there's no there's no lesser dragon cards like like, like the dragon egg, mm. and mm. Um, you still have the Sarkhan, but it's not as good as the previous sets, or the mm -hmm. previous rotation Sarkhan. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, Bolas M nineteen actually started out as a dragon creature. Oh yeah. That helped your that helped your deck before he flipped into his planeswalker form. Now he's just a planeswalker straight up. Yeah. And although that's actually quite helpful, that also makes him quite vulnerable. So mm -hmm. Well, one more thought about 2019, then we'll talk a little bit about 2020. Is there any art that you remember from a card in twenty in twenty nineteen on Arena that you really enjoyed? In 2019 card that I really enjoyed looking at. Yeah. It would probably have to be. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I would honestly have to say, I loved the foiled risen reefs. Those were beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved the foil. Uh, I loved the foiled. Um. The foil Nisa was extremely very nice. They've done a really good job on these foil treatments, I think, being able to pick out little details to add the foil. Like on what one of my favorite foils was actually the one of the food tokens from Throne of Eldraine, the one with the basket of goodies dropped on the floor. Uh mm -hmm. there was like a pastry with a with some like little little bits of like red jam, strawberry jam or whatever. And I thought the foil on that was really nice because the actual dough part of the of the treat was was not foiled in a, in oh, the yeah. same way that it was that little bit of, of red jam and you would just catch these flecks of light off of the red and it was really nice. So I really like that foil uh, token. Oh, I'll definitely have to go and take a look at that actually. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite cards in 2019 was Etrata the Silencer in terms of art. I really liked her pose. There were two versions. There was one from the Guild Kit, I believe, and then one that everyone else saw most of the time. And I thought she was really cool on that. She was this assassin, a vampire assassin, um, at a cool angle, holding her weapon and her cloak. And she just looked so cool. And I love the colors and tones in that. I don't remember who the artist is, but on that one, that was one of my favorite cards to look at in... Uh, 2019. So we've done a lot of nostalgia reminiscing about 2019, which was just barely three months ago, but in the span of, of time, in the way magic uh, ever moves on. Three months ago was so long ago in the world of magic. So we're in 2020 now, and we've got Theros Beyond Death as as the current set going on. Any general thoughts on Theros Beyond Death, the mechanics, the story, the uh, the art, etc. Well, story-wise, I refused to pay um, wizards because I thought that was silly. Mm -hmm. um, because you know, all the other previous sets were free, but now they're charging people to read their story. Yeah. Cards-wise, as I said, I didn't like Theros because it was too fast. Um, art-wise, beautiful art. Uh, Ashiok was Ashiok's really nice art. Mm -hmm. In terms of, I'm actually I'm just really looking forward to the next expansion because I just wanted uh, I just wanted Theros to be over. Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. I could say a lot of things negative more than positive about mm -hmm. Theros. Mm -hmm. Um. Wizards claims it was a success, but you know, I, I, I've talked to quite a few live streamers. I've talked to uh, 
or I've uh, I've watched other live streamers, you know, mm-hmm. and they're not so optimistic. I'm not so optimistic when the boxes are only selling at at only are only selling at sixty percent of what uh, of what they were at at the beginning, mm-hmm. and uh, and the fallout from all of the uh, the twelve plus mythics that you get from one of those collector boxes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just didn't think they were doing it correctly. I guess there's like there's the rise and fall of it, and hopefully it uh, cycles and um, comes back at a better point. I think one of my my gripes is is these uh, collectors boosters. They're just so expensive. Yeah. Um, and the what you get in them isn't as impressive as it should be for that amount of money yeah everyone all of them are foil but you're not getting any real exclusives except the random foilness of it and even those i think they still include like uncommon foils which those really don't have much of a monetary value so maybe they're experimenting with collector's boosters and they see that it wasn't a very good experiment and maybe they'll remove them or dial them down or make them better in the next sets. But we'll see how that goes. I hope that they do something with the next set that that um, separates it from this one. I think this set is, I think this set's um, the weaker of the two so far. Mm-hmm. I thought Throne of El Dream was quite successful, and then when Theros came around, it was pretty mediocre. Mm-hmm. They usually have that kind of a lull, you know. They usually have one great set, then one bad set, then two more great sets, and then a bad set. So we might be at the at the low end of things, and then we'll have the uptick. So, what do you think about like them revealing? I think it was at the end of last year, they revealed all of the main sets that they're going to publish. They revealed that, okay, coming in January is Theros Beyond Death. Then after that is Ikoria, Lair of Behemoths. Then after that was Corsa 2021. And then after that was Zendikar Rising. What do you think about them revealing a whole year's worth of the names of their sets and concept? I think it gives people a lot more... Um, a lot more excitement as to what's to come so they don't have to keep guessing. Mm-hmm. For me, it well, not just for a collector's standpoint, but for anybody who also is looking to save their money for future sets, like they could be reading a review mm-hmm. and they're like, wow, this set kind of sucks. But if they had already announced what the sets are going to be upcoming and the dates for those sets upcoming, well, in and around, Mm -hmm. then it gives you a chance to be like, well, I can skip, I can skip this set for the most part and save my money for the next one with, with better reviews. Mm -hmm. One advice that I could definitely save to players is, do some research before you just go and just rapidly buy. Look at the cards that they are that they are previewing. Hmm. See if there's cards that resonate with you, and go about that route. That way you're not that way you're not wasting so much money and being so disappointed. Yeah. Um. Uh, that's that's the best advice that I can give you. Be be smart with your money and. Uh, uh, think what you want to buy. If this set is definitely what you want to invest in, then you know, or mm-hmm. just get a box in, go for it. But if it's not, then you know, it's always best to save your money for the next one because the next one will be upcoming. Yeah, we have this cadence of releases. Basically, every quarter we've got a new set. So if someone is buying every single set that comes out, that could be a big investment in money that they might not be happy about so yep always always research always think about it always plan things out because after all this is a hobby this is an extra an extra expense beyond the important stuff so people should always think about spending their money the best way i sort of feel a little bit on the opposite in that i i don't like that we we know the names of all of the sets coming out i 
for myself, I kind of like a little bit of the mystery to to have it revealed a little bit less in time. But I totally get what you're what you're saying from your point of view. But just for myself, um, I, I don't like that we know the names of all the major sets for the whole coming year. To, to me, it sort of removes the allure, uh, the mystery a little bit. Although they're they're definitely throwing in a bunch of other sets in between. So it's not just we're going to get a set every three months. We're going to get a set more like every three weeks. We've already had like mystery boosters and we're getting so many secret layer drops and there's a whole bunch of supplemental commander stuff. So on the one hand, there's a lot of stuff coming out, but it's not for everyone. And do your own research and decide what you want to do and how you want to spend your money. And I think it'll work out. That's usually how it goes. Always do your homework. If it's what you're looking for, go for it. If it's not, then wait. Yeah. There's there's two types of MTGers. There's the casual gamers. Well, I should say there's three types. There's the casual gamers, there's competitive gamers, and then there's the investors. Oh, sure. And you see how the investors, the ones who look at not just the surface value of a card, but they go into economic terms and begin to figure out what this card's value is going to be in the future. And then, of course, you have the competitive gamers who are all um, want the best uh, bang for their buck kind mm -hmm. of thing. They want to make sure that the card that they are purchasing is actually going to be beneficial to the deck that they're using for competitive play. And then the casual gamers who just walk into a place, buy a pack, and get whatever they want to get, and toss out what they don't like and keep what they like. And mm -hmm. There's just so many ways to play. There's so many other facets of that. And even in those three that you mentioned, I'm sure there's some overlap, somewhat, and even some uh, sub-levels like people that play commander commander is becoming such a big thing for more and more people and that has its own casual aspect and cedh aspect of things so this is wizards trying to walk a tightrope to please all people at once and unfortunately i don't think you can please everyone at once and I suppose that's why they're trying to do different products for different people. Like, okay, for you collectors, we have a product for you. Collector boosters. For, um, you know, the advanced players, we've got this and that. And for the intro players, we've got this and that. So uh, plenty of product for plenty of people to play. That's what makes Magic the best game. Mm hmm. Well, as we wind down, any general thoughts on anything past or present in Magic, either digitally or paper? Any plans for any pre-releases or face-to-face uh, -face Magic and such? In terms of the thoughts of current, there are bad, Eldraine, good. Next <laughs> set, probably good. If uh, Wizards track records, anything to do about it, anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. Um what else? Uh, past thoughts. Just more of a message to wizards. Remember what. Remember where your successes were. Don't forget what your successes were. Mm -hmm. And uh, don't try anything too new. Yeah. Not everything works out. Mm -hmm. Some good words of advice, and I like that the company does seem to listen to the constituents although sometimes it's like um a uh an oil tanker in that it takes a while for them to turn they try to turn the the wheel uh and ship and steer the ship but it kind of takes a while for them to get it done so hopefully they do listen they keep listening and they keep making the best game ever even better than before i'm really looking forward to it I know I did say I was uh, leaving Arena, but that was only for current expansion. I'll be back next expansion. Yeah. Exactly. People sometimes think that they... I've been seeing on Twitter that people seem to also be down on things, and but they keep playing. And it's perfectly fine for people to take a break if the current standard, if the current card pool isn't isn't working for them. They can take a pause and come back for the next set because there'll be a new set every few weeks, every few months. And people need to practice that bit of self-care to not force themselves to come in and get those daily rewards or try to 
climb the ladder or just uh, just cause cause themselves stress is supposed to be a game people are able to and should take some time off when they need it just like any other endeavor one of my major gripes is their uh, subscription system mm -hmm. I just don't think there's a lot of reward for paying the kind of money for those for that uh, for the non free uh, for the non free sets that you get Mm-hmm. Like if I'm paying if I'm paying Wizards money every single month um for the for those new passes, I want a little more than that. Like, mm -hmm. okay. Okay, you get this little glowy orb, you stick it on a you stick it on a chart, and if you get and every time you put that orb on a chart, you get a foiled card, but mm -hmm. it's usually um, a common card or a land card or an uncommon card and it's nothing um, it's nothing special like if it was something like oh you can't actually get this um, this uh, mythic card unless you, you, you pay for the subscription and you go through the process of filling out the chart and it's right there at the end of the chart I'll do that because if I want that card enough mm -hmm. i'll go through all that process but you gotta want the players to go through the process and reward them for paying you yeah i'm i'm not gonna pay a company money just because they're a company mm -hmm. you know they got to have a product that i want to buy of course i'm just one person Others might just feel otherwise and be like, well, it's just, it's just $20 a month. Yeah. But it's, I don't know. I guess I'm just mindful about my money and I want to get what, uh, I want to get what I'm paying for, you know? Yeah. You want a good return on your investment. Exactly. That's sort of like the buy a box promos in real life. If a person does buy a box at a local game store, you get that extra incentive, that extra card that you cannot get anywhere else. So maybe that's a way to change that mastery pass that there are these buy a box promos. Because, for example, in uh, Throne of Eldraine, uh, Kenrith, the returned king, was a um, buy a box promo in real life. But then on Arena, you just have a mythic wild card and you get it. No no fuss, no muss. So what if they also make those buy a box promos part of that whole mastery pass and that'll entice people to go through the process and, and, and pay for the pass and get to that final reward? Yep. You know, they really need to experiment better with it and build a better subscription product. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes, and with the company listening to to us, the players, I think they could be on the right track as long as they listen to us, and I'm sure they will. All right, so, Rosla, once again, what would you like to promote? Anything online where people can come hang out with you or even chat with you on Twitter or anything like that? Uh, for Twitter, you can always get a hold of me at Rosla underscore SN. So that's R-O-S-Y-L-A underscore SN. Or you can find me on YouTube. My YouTube channel is Rosla Streaming Network, R-O-S-Y-L-A, space, streaming, space, network. Mm -hmm. um, it is a blue ribbon with a red rose in the center. Mm -hmm. Very, uh, very difficult to miss. Go mm -hmm. for it. Uh, subscriptions always welcome. You don't have to, of course, but mm -hmm. would love to have you for a while. I also have a I also have my own Discord channel for my network. You are all welcome to join it. The uh, the link is um, if you are ever in Discord, you just click join a server. It is P as in Peter, uh, capital C, capital D as in Daryl, small X capital D, again, as in Daryl, small y, three. Very nice. I'm going to add those links very clickable in the show notes as well, so people can just go to it directly. Thanks for spelling it all out. Um, we'll get some traffic over to you, a follow on Twitter, a join to your Discord. Happy to help with all of that. You're more than welcome. 
so as for myself, I'm also on Twitter, VM Campos on Twitter. I'm on Twitch, VM Campos there as well. On YouTube, I'm VM Campos JR. You have to put the JR there. I stream every Saturday night, simulcast on Twitch and YouTube and Mixer. I'm giving that a try. My software lets me stream to all three. And that's usually on Saturday nights, 11 p.m. Pacific time. Or come on over to Patreon, patreon.com slash vmcampos. You can follow for free and keep up to date with a variety of things that I do. Or go to the $1 tier to unlock some fun stuff. $2 tier gives you even more and some cards in thanks. So that's where you can find me. Um, once again, Rosla, thank you so much for joining the podcast on such short notice. And I hope to have you on again in the future. Look forward to it. This has been VM Campos, and I'll see you in the arena.